Welcome to The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. This is a topical podcast where the topics are chosen at random. Sometimes they will be profound, and sometimes they will be stupid. But no matter what, we have a lot to say about them. We are known for the things we do. We become the things we think. We live the things we believe. These are the things we say. Welcome back to The Things We Say. This is a podcast of me, and I'm Sheldon, and, <laughs> and, and me, Nate. Nate. I is, almost excluded him. Nate is the name of me. <laughs> yes. Good. Now that we got our names out of the way, <laughs> we are delving into relationship topics today. Um, one of the things that me and Nate like to talk about is just relationships and how people interact with each other and this one came to mind because there is a pervasive idea in our culture, mostly in movies and Hallmark movies. Or I would say I, don't know. I would say it's really prevalent. Is in the it church. our is it our culture or the Christian culture? I would say I, there's two aspects of it, and we'll get into that. But yes, I believe there is a there is a distinctive element that is is in the Christian church, and then there's a distinctive element that's just in the world in okay. general, and they and they kind of intermingle. But so our topic today is. The one. And no, this is not about the Matrix, and we will not be talking about Neo. Okay, I didn't even go there in my mind. That's okay. But when I say the one, I'm talking about the one person that's created just for you. Yes. With whom you will be the happiest yes. for the remainder of your life. Yes. The one that God has handpicked to be your significant other for the rest of your life journey. See, I think this exists in Hollywood, though, because... You go through most movies and th- where there's a guy and girl context, and yes. it's like you're always cheering for one character to end up with another character. Right. So, and you believe, so, in the context of that show, that they are the one they're for They're the one, yes, And of you course. will sit there and of say course. that. But here's, but here's the thing. When we're talking about the one, there's, there's two different things we're talking about. Okay. And and again, this is where this is where it gets intermingled. But the one that's exclusive to the church is the one who God has selected for you. That is that person. Da 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 da. So if you believe in God in the Christian sense, yes, then you have to believe that He has control over this yes. in some way. Yes, is what you're saying. Right for for this idea to work, you that's have right. to believe that God created right. someone just for you. Right now, in the world, the language for this is soulmate. Like my soulmate, the person who is like my match that will make me a complete person. Yeah. And again, these things intermingle, like they're, they're not exclusive, but general, generalizing the, the one is, is in the church and the soulmate idea is in the world. And again, they bleed into each other, but that's kind of what I see it as. Okay. I can work with that because okay. in the church, supposedly Jesus is supposed to be your soulmate and... He's the one that completes your right. otherworldly being. Right. And I and yeah, and I, and I'll get into a little bit of the the definition of soulmates, where that even came from, uh, in a little bit. Well, we, I'm I, I totally unfamiliar with all yeah, that. So I used to be right. until until uh, I heard uh, one of our uh, Nazarene College uh, presidents talk about it, and it was really interesting. But anyway, getting getting on with that. So so what is your what are your thoughts, Sheldon, on this concept of the one. 
The one is something that you, when you're an adolescent, you first start getting interested in girls. You're like, oh, I really like her. And you, you like focus in on one person. Right. And this concept starts to come up in your mind. Like she might be the one for me. And <laughs> you know, whether that means she might be the one I want to take to the dance or the one that I want to spend the weekend, you know, with her group of friends or whatever it is. Usually my experience has been there's one that you're focused on. Yes. Now, for a lot of us guys, there's also a two and a three <laughs> and a four. You so have like, backups. it depends. Well, <laughs> Sorry, girls, we just offended all of you. Hey, I don't but, have to. I don't have to worry about that because this is teenage logic. I don't feel the need yeah, to apologize this is teenage for my logic. DJ, teenage exactly. logic. So, yes. like, me and Nate are both happily married. Let's just get that out of the way. We have done our dating. We've done. We have, our, we have left our childish ways <laughs> behind. Have, and, and moved into committed, yes. long-term, forever and always relationships yes. with Jessica and Kayla. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. Respectively. Respectively. <laughs> I'm with Jessica. He's with Kayla. It would not work any other way. Yes. No. Pretty sure about that. No, it would not. It would not. Um, so, wow. yes. Again, again. So, the concept of the one, though. Like, where where does this come from like where is this this idea so, so i was saying that it originates in a teenage brain but yes. it probably originates much further and deeper than that because in our culture what happens even in relationships that fall apart yes we look back on and say that didn't work out they weren't they weren't, they weren't the right one. for me they, they weren't, weren't the, the one, one. And even marriages that fall apart, it's like you went so far and committed yourself to this marriage and it's dissolved and you've gotten divorced, you've moved right. on, you now each have other partners and you look back on that first marriage and say, they weren't the one for me. Right. And that's where this gets complicated. And I think this is one of the things that it's like the concept of the one, some people say it falls apart in divorce, but I would say it persists in divorce and can lead to it because yeah. you can say well, my partner and I, we're just not compatible. My wife and I, we're not compatible. She's not the one. Right. There's another one right. out there that it, is really the one. It eliminates responsibility and attributes it to some out there other force that is, is beyond your control. In And somebody can probably tell me in the comments, if you're not a believer, what are you, who, do you, who determines the one for you? Like, I still think you believe a lot of people that aren't believers in God would still ascribe in some way to the concept of the one. Yeah. How, like, right. Does the, like the universe is often right. referenced. Whatever I mean, that means. In How I Met Your Mother. Yes. Ted is yes. always like asking the universe for a sign whether she's the one. That's right. the whole thing of the show. Right. It's like eight years or 10 yeah. years of Ted trying to yeah. find the one. Everybody believes in something. It was Veronica. Right. <laughs> Everybody believes in something. I mean, that's just the reality of it. There's, there's always that, that other, that sense of other, that sense of outside of us. You know, we just know it exists regardless of what we try to attribute it to. It's just part of the human experience. We know that there's more to what we see than what we see. It's just as plain and simple as that. Do um, you have any ideas of where the one comes from for well, you? For me or from what I've seen? No, just your idea of where does the one come from? Well, the idea of the one, I think, is just... I think it has most of its basis in in abstinence uh, 
abstinence teaching in the church. Okay. Because you get teenagers who are hormonally crazy and you think to yourselves, how am I going to keep them from just breeding like rabbits? And yeah. you go straight to, I will talk about the one, this one that God has for you that's safe and preserved and this, this almost this top shelf thing, this top shelf concept of a human that just doesn't exist in perfection. And they are the one that God has for you. And you want to, to be worthy of them by the time that you get them. I think that's where a lot of this, this talk so of the one. So pastors are to blame I, for this. I, I mostly blame I Kiss Dating Goodbye for this, for really making this a prevalent narrative yes, in the church. I could see that. Um, and, and again, that idea of there is one that God has selected for you. Now, now let me be clear. God is ov- obviously sovereign over everything, and he, you know, all of that. You know, he is, he is ultimately the one in, in control of the universe, does what he wants. He is God. I will not at all say that he is not capable or able to do whatever he wants to do. However, the only scriptural mandate we have about relationships in terms of marriage, in terms of the one you're going to be with, we only have one clear command from God, and that is not to be unequally yoked. That is it. It's never about Anything else other than that? Now, there as far are, as who you're going to marry. As far as who you're going to marry. Now, of course, once you're married, you get into all other issues of relationship that are talked about, or or how you're supposed to relate to each other, how you're supposed to treat is, each other. There is but passages that talk about saving the husband or the wife. How is that? There's oh yeah, where basically if you're married to a non-believer. Yeah, when you become a believer, un- unequally yeah, yoked. Basically, what it is is if you're married to a non-believer and they don't believe, but they're content to stay married to you, then don't divorce them. Yeah, because yeah, and it gets into that whole thing of 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 the basically God of, is not into splitting families. Not at all. Not at all. Of who believes. Not at all. What. And so, but but in terms of that idea of of who you're going to marry, the one for you, that's it. Like that's all the Bible has to say about it. And you know, people will. We'll we'll look at the the example of like uh, of um, oh, who what was Isaac's wife's name in the Bible? Rebecca. Rebecca. Yes, I was. Or Jacob say, and Rachel. Right. Uh, well, uh, and, uh, he was just really obsessed with Rachel. Let's be honest. That's what that was. But in terms of Rebecca, like people want to look at that and say, oh, see, she was the one that God had for him, and and you know this, that, and the other. Well, no, because the way that the way that God worked back then was very different than now. We, they didn't have the Holy Spirit to indicate. So the guy literally said, God, give me this specific sign. It was the same as like casting lots, which was common at the time. It was the crapshoot of somebody eventually is going to do this. And so the one who does it is going to be the one I'm going to pick. It was a how do we decide thing. That's right. I would, I would point to the Isaac and Rebecca story as disproving the one, yeah, like you could literally have a anybody guy could have done march that. a group of camels across the Middle East, and whoever waters them first, you you marry that person, yeah, yeah, and there you are. If right. she waters your camels, right, now she's your wife, right. Deal with it, right, and be married and stay married. That's right, you know? that's right. So again, it's it, we romanticize a lot of those things. We do the same thing with, with like with 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 Esther. You know, they, they get with the whole, oh, for such a time as this, and God specifically, like, no, she was, she was forcibly taken and, and, yeah. and forced into a king's harem and probably basically raped. I mean, that's, it's not a pretty story. No, that but was... But we romanticize it. We have things like that Hadassah book and movie that just make it this great, you know, 
illusion, but it no, it was ugly and it was ugh. yeah. He banished the queen and then right canvassed for the no entire reason. country the most yeah. beautiful women, brought them to his palace and yes, did what he wanted. Yeah, so so there's not a whole lot of biblical precedent for what we see in this idea of the one. It it's almost entirely based in to my mind the the idea of abstinence teaching uh, that sprang up. Uh, in the 80s and 90s, like the intense abstinence teaching. Now, again, don't 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 let me mislead you into thinking that I am not for uh, abstinence before marriage. I absolutely am, and I think that that is a a part of the the self control that we are as believers, as followers of Christ, are are accountable to. Um, so I don't want you to at all think that I'm one of these people who thinks that abstinence training or abstinence teaching is use, useless, has no place, or has no biblical. Um, biblical backing. It absolutely does without question. And I think abstinence <laughs> training and education works well in the Christian culture because self-control is a fruit of the spirit. It's not something that we can somehow control ourselves well enough to somehow, yeah, I'm, I'm going to make it to marriage on my own. Right. You know, totally pure or whatever, not, right. not being with other partners, you know, intimately. And it's, it's a fruit of the spirit. Right. If you're able to do that, that is actually God showing up in your life Absolutely. in a big way. That's a grace of God. That's a, a fruit of the spirit. So let, let God do that work in you and don't, don't stop it. Right. You know, just because somebody comes against the notion of the one, which if we haven't said it to this point, one thing me and Nate agree on here is that the concept of the one is a myth. Yes. And so I would just say that the abstinence education has been twisted a little bit in order for people to manipulate others into accomplishing a goal. Yeah. Rather than caring about the wholeness of the right. person. It was it was just a good idea. Like it was the kind of thing where like in a marketing meeting it was like how do we sell this? This is how we do it. Yeah. And teenage pregnancy was a problem. Right. It was a real problem. Right. And you know I, I had my disagreements with Barack Obama, but one of the great accomplishments of his presidency was bringing down the teenage pregnancy rate. Yeah. And he did it effectively. Yeah. And it was one of the things that was a passion of his before he took office. Like, right. And the pro-life movement has big problems with Barack Obama. I get that. I have the same similar problems. Right. With his belief in who should kill who. But give, but, cre <laughs> give credit where credit's due, exactly. man. Like, you got to do that. He, he, was, he was able through policies that including, you know, just... A lot of a lot of uh, contraception ideas and being able to make those readily available, teaching people, you know, the harms and that kind of thing. He was he was able through his initiatives, his right. ability as a community organizer ahead of time and that kind of thing, lended to his ability to right. be able to bring that down. And, so and that's part of the problem too. Is I he I, accomplished something that I'm not <laughs> sure the abstinence movement no totally did. But again, that's that's a like you said before, that's the abstinence movement is something that only has a place within the Christian community or again or within Judaism or within Islam as it is as as it as it stands in terms of what they believe. As a teacher, the concept of the one I don't believe is in Islam. No, 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 no. But I'm talking about the idea of 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 yeah. of, of, of abstinence um, as a, as a discipline of the religion. But it does not work for somebody who does not have those beliefs. Because like you said, if you're not being indwelt and filled with the Holy Spirit, at times, some people are naturally very self-controlled people. Some people are not. But in this in this instance, like that is a, a legitimate, like you said, gift of the Holy Spirit to allow you to have that kind of self-control. Like that is a that is a 
a otherworldly self-control. You can, you can make it to marriage, obviously pure, without yeah. God as a matter of honor and right. respect for other people right. or just life choices of right. your own. And that's that's cool. But it's I the mean, same. It's, it's the same as a lot of drug rehab, drug rehab programs. If you deny the power of God in those, the effective rate plummets. The, the effect rate plummets. And the same is true in abstinence training. If if there's not some kind of grasp of the spiritual in that, there's there's a, a, a much lower so success I guess rate. My greater point is that yes, abstinence only teaching there. is pretty much ridiculous unless you also yes teach the reasons for that and the Absolutely. wholeness of it and saying, listen, God cares about your whole being. Yeah. And that's why he cares about you specifically. And right. this goes into the larger thing of what God wants for your life. And aside from the, the one, it's a good idea, right. you know, but it's not really going to work unless you address the whole person. Right. Right. So, so yeah, for me, the, the concept of the one seems to come so much from that. And, it's so, I found it to be so damaging because like you said before, you know, as it relates to marriage, as it relates to different things, and I unfortunately think we're going to see a lot more of this in, in our generation than in any other, is that it gives you this excuse of this is not working. It must not be working because this is not the right person for me. This was yeah. not the person, like I made a mistake marrying this person or I wasn't following Christ when I married this person. I was just following my own flesh or I ignored, you know, the warning, but we do not have that excuse. Like once we have made a choice, we have made that choice and we made a vow before God to remain in this and, and to, and to, to persevere in it. And so it creates an out that even though it's not church sanctioned, it's, it's, it's like we have a mentally sanctioned out for relationships. Not And very few people are going to challenge you on that because it becomes a determination that you can make. Right. And you determine what God is telling you about the one. Right. And you determine what your concept of the one is. Right. And so when you come before somebody else and just say, I really don't think we're compatible and she is not the one that uh, that's my life partner. And it's like, Oh, okay. I guess I'm going to challenge that for you based on my experience with you and your relationship. Right. Like, and, and really nobody's going to do that. Right. And really in, in terms of seeking out someone that you're going to marry, compatibility is important, but it's not the same thing as this concept no. of the one of, of girls that I dated over my years. I would say that majority of them, I could have married and been perfectly happy. It may not have been in the sense of what my life actually is now, like I, I look at Kayla now because of, of, you know, years of being married and everything. She has become the one. Yeah. But she was not the one because she just mystically was. The moment you take a vow. Yes. Something magical happens. Yes. God creates the one. Right. The two become one. Right. And I believe it's created at the altar. Yes. Agreed. And that's, that's the creative nature of God. He's in the business of creating. And Absolutely. when he says... And when you stand before him and say, we, I pledge myself to her, she pledges herself to me, here we are. Yes. And God sanctions the marriage. That's the whole reason you do this in the church. It's the whole reason there's a right. pastor there. That's the whole reason that we feel the need to sanction it. Yes. Is because God is doing a creative uh, work right there at the altar and right. creating the one. Right. And so when you walk out those doors, she is the one. Right. And regardless of the choices that led both of you to this experience, this is now your experience. And she is the one. Yeah. And, and uh, 
Yeah. I mean, we didn't, there's a lot of variables to all this as, right. as you move forward from there. But for me, every day you wake up, love is a choice. Absolutely. And you choose to continue to love the person that you loved at first. Right. Same way that God asks us to ask the church, the church in uh, Revelation, he says, right. return, return to, to your, your first, first love. love. Right. And that first love, when God did that initial work, yeah. was very powerful. And to return to that each day and say, I choose to love you, regardless of compatibility right. or happiness or sickness or health or all the things that we pledge right there at the altar. We right. say in sickness or in health, we say all these things and cover it and God sanctions it, she becomes the one. Hmm. Um, I was talking about this at work today with a guy who gave me an example, and he's like, finished carpentry is basically the same as all other carpentry plus sanding. <laughs> lots and lots of sanding. He's like, that's basically the main difference. So if, if you're listening to this, Ryan, thank you. But he's talking about how if you, you have a stack of pieces of wood on both sides, and you're making cabinets, when you mate the two pieces of wood, you weren't particular about which two yeah. you got. Yeah. But because of their experiences up to that point, That's they've right. had the same cuts that make them mesh. They were in the same place at the same time. They came together, and God, the carpenter, put the glue in there, stuck them together, nailed them, whatever it was, and begins to sand them for the rest of their lives into becoming something beautiful. Right. Okay, but that mating, that that coming together, that joining of these two separate pieces, I I believe that as long what happened up to that point were the major cuts off yeah. of my life. So like yeah. God cut particular things out of me, yeah, and made me into a guy that Jess would actually yep. even hang out with, right? You know, and made Jessica into a person person that would attract me, right? And so in that concept, you can say, well, God designed the one ahead of time. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, given a different time or place, I made a couple different choices up to that yeah. point. It, I may not have been in the same place at the same time. Right. But there's lots of wood in both stacks. Right. That matches up because they've been right. through the same cutting experiences. Right. And the, the glue that bonds them together is God. And he right. puts it together. Absolutely. And he continues the rest of your life to cause enough friction, enough heat, <laughs> and enough close proximity sculpting to the sandpaper yes. to make you into something beautiful. Well, so. and, and for me, I remember the, the time that the concept of the one completely went out the window. And that was at a particular time when I was kind of in this, this, what I would call relational purgatory where someone I had previously been with who had dumped me and moved on came back after I was with somebody else. And I was caught between this rock and a hard place of like, I was so convinced this person was the one but I actually really liked being with this person as well. And so I just agonized and like, Lord, what is it? What do I do? Which one, which one is the one I'm supposed to be with? Which one do you want? And I'll, and so distinctly, I remember the Lord just saying to me, pick one. And I'm like, pick one. That doesn't help me. What does yeah. that mean? Pick one. They both love Jesus. They both like your life will go different directions based on what you do, but pick one. And that, and it was like, it hit me like a bolt of lightning. Like it doesn't matter. Like, the potential, the potential is here either way for either one. Now, of course, I didn't end up with either of those girls, as it turns out. But again, <laughs> thank it goodness was, it was, for the purpose of our yes, story. Absolutely, absolutely. But but again, it's one of those things where you realize in those moments that we've kind of been we've kind of been taken in by this narrative of that God has this this ultimate 
thing, this ultimate thing that he cares about so much that we get right and it's going to mess up our lives forever if we don't. I mean, I've seen people who were not compatible and who should never have been married, but the Lord does something in their lives while they're married and transforms them into the, the epitome of what a marriage should be. You know, there's nothing that's beyond him. And like you said, that sculpting, that sanding process, all of that is what marriage is. You know, it's, it's yeah. about bumping into each other and, and finding the things that fit and the things that don't fit and being willing to sacrifice pieces of yourself for the person that you've chosen to align yourself with. Um, it's, 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 not, it's not always pretty, but it's always satisfying and it's always a positive yeah. In those in those things. And it, I believe that there's life there because God created Absolutely. It, you know? Absolutely. And there's a whole new life that begins right there at the altar. Yeah. So um, long and short of it, if you're married, stay married to that person and see what God's creating. Make things happen. You know happen. what I mean? And, and just, yeah, make the magic happen and yeah. go back to your first love. If you're dating, don't sweat it. Yeah. You know? If, if you're not unequally yoked with right. this person, if they believe similar things to you about God and salvation. And, you know, if, and if you're not a believer, you know, hey, if you find someone that you are both in the same place at yes. the same time with, and you both want marriage, you want the same things, same goals, and you want, you choose to get married, the Lord's going to bless it. Absolutely. He's going to create something awesome. Absolutely. For you. And, and let me very distinctly, because you mentioned something just now, Dating is not and should never be evangelism. Yeah. Let me say it again. <laughs> Dating and or marriage is not and should never be evangelism. There are all kinds of reasons why that I'm not going to get into, but there's nothing I want to say more clearly than that. Don't do that. Just don't. Yeah. It will only cause heartache in the end for you. Yeah. Seen it quite a bit. Yes. Yeah. Too much. Anyway, that brings us to the end of this episode, I believe. <laughs> There's a lot further places we could go. I mean, yes. we didn't even get into some of what happens in broken families and, right. and the, when things, things don't work out and <clears throat> things like that. And trust me, God has restorative, creative abilities beyond ours. Yeah. And your mess is not big enough that he can't create something. Absolutely, without, so, without a doubt. no matter what mess we've gotten ourselves into... Don't beat yourself up about the one. Yes. God is able to create something from nothing. Right. And not to take an aside from this, but I feel like I'm, I'm required to say this because I mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast. The origins of the concept of soulmates is from Greek mythology uh, where uh, Zeus basically came in and was angry at humans over something and decided to split humans into two people, their souls into two separate people. And so the idea is that Zeus separated people, and when you find your soulmate, it is that other person, that spirit has been placed in that other person that is literally the other part of your spirit, and it makes one complete person finally when you come together. So that wow. language of soulmate even being in the, in the church, I'm like, this is complete paganism. Like This is like old-school Greek paganism <laughs> straight up, and we use it all the time because we think that it's just such a nice idea. Uh, yeah. But no, that's where it has its origins is, is uh, Zeus got mad again. Wow. I, <laughs> I would have never guessed that. Yes. It's, I would have thought that soulmate would have been like a Orwellian word, yeah. you know, that George Orwell would have invented. You know? Right. But he had a habit of splicing words together. But yes. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll have to do something about him <laughs> at some point too. 
He was a freak. Yes, but he knew a lot of things. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so, yes, that was the concept of the one. We don't believe in it. No. We hope that helps you. Yes. And if you don't like it or you hate our ideas, please tell us in yes. the comments. And if you're offended, ask yourself why. <laughs> it's always a good place to start whenever you're offended you by something. Found the one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've, put, we've poked enough fun at you guys, so we'll let it go at that. Uh, once again, this is The Things We Say. I'm Nate. I'm Sheldon. And uh, we'll see you the next time around. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.